Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you back to our City Builders online service. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about God's master plan for the transformation of nations. And this morning, we are focusing on Romans chapter 8, which talks about the revealing of his sons and daughters. Something that we often talk about is how, at times that are predetermined by God, God intervenes in the affairs of the world and in the affairs of mankind. These are what I call the supernatural interventions of God. We should expect these miraculous occurrences in our lives every day. The more that you make yourself available to God, the more that you can expect him to intervene. Especially in times like this, the grace of God is especially as available. There, is, there has always been an incredible interest in understanding the times. And in Matthew chapter 24, the disciples asked Jesus about the signs of the end of the age. I can't tell you for sure we are, where we are at on God's time clock, but one of the greatest signs of the times in 2020 is the mass acceptance of deception. It's like a global phenomena and the emergence and almost universal acceptance of falsehood. In Isaiah chapter 59, it talks about how nations go from being following God and close to God and go through a cycle of decline. In Isaiah 59 verse 15, So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it and displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered why there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm bought salvation for him, and his own righteousness it sustained him. The environment of nations departing from truth is tragic, but it also gives rise to the perfect environment for God to move in an incredible and even an unprecedented way. So this morning, let's join our hearts and pray as we welcome the Lord into our lives, once again into our lounge rooms, into our families, wherever we are. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, for this time. We thank you for what you have been doing, but we also thank you especially what you're about to do in these times ahead. We thank you that you are shaking all things that you are opening minds and hearts and that you are calling all men and all women back to you. You are indeed gaining the intention of this generation. We pray for an awakening of hearts and minds of people everywhere. We pray, Heavenly Father, for an invasion of truth into our hearts once again. We pray for a full release of the spirit of truth. Lord, like the light into the darkness, let your word come into our hearts. Lord, let your spirit be released on the earth yet again. Holy Spirit, we pray especially for the members of our church and for those who are connected with us this morning. We pray for an incredible impartation of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And everybody said, Amen. 
Last week we talked about the process of discipleship and how it is a very, very important and indispensable aspect of God's master plan for the transformation of nations. When Jesus left the earth to take his place at the right hand of the Father in heaven, he left a very clear mandate that speaks to every true believer in every uh, generation and every locality since his appearing. He said these words in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to absorb all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. This is Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. This is what we call the Great Commission. This is the last day's assignment that is given to the church. Let me say this this morning, no one should be bored. No one should be wondering what to do or feeling unemployed if they are a Christian. No one should be sitting on their hands during this time. This verse that uh, I just read, read to you, it describes what we call the kingdom mandate. It's the mandate given by the king himself to the church to continue bringing the kingdom of God on earth. This is the kingdom mandate that needs to be answered in each generation. This is the good news. The good news that must be preached to every man and every woman, every child. I want to speak to the church this morning and say that there are cities to be reached, there are giants to be killed, there are mountains to be taken, there are domains to be invaded, there are souls to be saved, and there are lives to be restored and rebuilt. Wherever people really say yes and make themselves wholeheartedly available, God can do incredible things in that person's life and in the environment where that person is. In fact, in Mark chapter 9, verse 20, 23, it says this, all things are possible to him who believes. So if we really believe God and we really make ourselves available for him, then we can see the supernatural interventions of God, not only in our own life, but those around us, our families, our environment, our city. Now this morning we are talking about God's master plan for the transformation of nations. And we are talking about the kingdom mandate, how our mandate is to disciple nations. Last week we spoke about how discipleship is a process and how in churches and in the body of Christianity you will find different groups of people and you can divide them into these categories. We talked about firstly how when Jesus left the earth, he left multitudes of believers. So when Jesus went up, when he ascended after he'd gone to the cross and he was ascended into heaven, there were groups of people left on the earth. There were believers, goodness knows how many. Because Jesus for three and a half years had walked the earth, had ministered to men and women. And according to the scripture, you know, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So multitudes saw him at work. 
But at the end of the day, there was a smaller group of people, and these were his disciples. There were the 12 that walked with him, and then there were the 120 in the upper room. These are what we call disciples. So you have believers, and then the next level is disciples. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. This is our job. We have a job to do. And today I really want you to get excited about that job because it is the highest call that a man or woman could follow. And in Mark chapter 16, it says, these signs will follow those group of believers in my name. They will heal the sick, they'll cast out demons. And it goes on to describe what will happen when we really make ourselves available for the process of discipleship and we truly become his followers. So number one, we have believers. These are the ordinary people out there who say, yes, uh, I believe. You know, uh, many of those have formalized their relationship with Christ. And I would believe that many of those people have secured their, uh, you know, their salvation. But they're sort of living, you know, in this realm of being ordinary believers. But then there is the next level. And these are the disciples. These are the ones who have gone, that is my Lord. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to live by his teachings. I'm going to place my trust in him for my salvation. And this is the next level. These are the disciples. I, uh, I described last week that disciples are different because what they are is they're, uh, you know, they're the ones that follow Jesus with a radical abandon, like they're, you know, a way you could describe them is they're Jesus freaks. I think I'm one of them and I hope you are too. So these are the ones that follow Jesus with a, a radical abandon. And they are what you would describe as wholehearted believers. So you can have, in the body of Christianity, half-hearted believers. And you can have lukewarm believers. You know, they believe, but there's like a mixture there. But then there are the ones who are the true disciples. So uh, I wanted to talk for a minute, you know, about the process of, of discipleship because process takes people from being ordinary believers through the realm of, or through the process of discipleship to becoming everything that God wants us to be. So, you know, we can start as a believer and, you know, we are, according to the scriptures, a child of God. John chapter 1, verse 12, to as many as received him, he gave them the right to be called children of God. But then as we enter into the process of, of discipleship, we can come to the next level. Barriers can be identified and obstacles to potential can be removed. Pathways can be opened up and we can become everything that God has called us to be. Now let's talk about our church for a moment because I believe that every uh, local church in every locality on the globe has a different mandate, a different atmosphere. We're all part of the body of Christ. He, you know, Jesus is the Lord and we're all connected in there. But one of the things that I say about this church is this church is a next level church. And if you want to go to the next level, you are in the right place this morning. 
and you are listening to the right man, you are listening to the right message. I know that personally, at my age, I still believe that there is another net level, there is more steps that we can take that God can become more and more of a reality in our life, and this is what it is like. The end game of discipleship is not discipleship alone. So we've got believers, and then we've got disciples, and disciples is a process. But the end game of discipleship is not discipleship alone. It is not an end in, our, in itself. Um, so, so once again, a disciple is a wholehearted follower of Jesus. They are authentic and real believers. And there is a lifestyle uh, change that testifies to their relationship with Jesus. But the purpose of the way God leads us is always to bring us to a very special place in our relationship with God. And that is what I call sonship. Sonship is an amazing thing. And, uh, you know, when I'm talking about sonship this morning, I'm talking about how God wants us to really become not just believers and not even just disciples, but he wants us to become his very own sons and daughters. And I think that is the most profound thing, that we, who were once sinners have been made alive together with him and we are seated in the heavenly places with him and now we can become his true sons and daughters which speaks of uh, it speaks of uh, position in the spirit it speaks of relationship and it speaks of, of of how we are connected to god he wants us to become in every sense of the expression, his very own sons and daughters. Do you want to say this after me this morning? God wants me to become his very own son, his very own daughter. This is such an amazing thing. Amen. This is so very, very powerful, wonderful, and can be only fully understood, not by knowledge of sound doctrine alone, but by revelation. In other words, as we walk with God, God will begin to reveal to us that we are not just anybody, that we are his very own son. This is like an incredible realization that you can have, and maybe today it is one that you have not got yet, but as you walk with him, and as the Holy Spirit continues to do his work in our lives, this is an incredible realization that you can have. This is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Ephesians chapter 1 and in Romans chapter 8, it talks about the spirit of adoption. One of the names of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. Jesus walked the earth and he said to his disciples, he said, I need to go away and I'm going to send you the helper and he is going to come with you. He is the spirit of truth and he is going to lead you into all truth. Another name for this Holy Spirit that was poured out in the upper room on the day of Pentecost is the spirit of adoption. And as the Holy Spirit continues to work and walk with us in our life, we are gradually being adopted as God's very own sons. How amazing is that? 
So I want to assure you today that you are not just an anybody. You might feel that you are not much. You might feel that you are bound up in some areas of your life and that all is not going well, yet God calls you his son. He calls you his daughter. And his spirit of adoption is working on you to bring you to that place where you can go, Abba, Father. You know, that is like calling out to God, you are my daddy, you are my heavenly daddy, you are my true father. And this is a miracle of salvation. So you have believers, and then you have disciples, and you have the process of discipleship, but God is bringing us to this special place where we are his very own sons, and we are his very own daughters. Uh, it, it really is important to have that realisation on the inside of you. Because in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 3, it says, Blessed are you with every uh, sp uh, spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is what God has for us in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. This is God's attitude to us. Every blessing is there, and he wants to release that blessing on you. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself. Wow, what a miracle that is, that we are called to walk in that level of relationship with God. It's almost like unbelievable. It almost sounds too good to be true but it's not. And the Apostle Paul, he prayed a very special prayer over the church that we need to pray, and I certainly pray it for the people in our church, because unless this happens, you, you don't really get it. It's like, you know, you can say, well, I'm a son of God, but the realization is not there. The revelation is not there. But when your heart becomes open and your mind begins to align with God, and revelation comes into your heart, you'll begin to realize that you are his son. And I remember back in the old days, you know, when I first became a believer, it was like I used to think, does God love me? You know, has God accepted me? And I had all these insecurities and fears. Even do these people accept me? But as I walk with God, the spirit of adoption has continued to walk, work in my life until I've come to this place where I know that I know that I know that I am God's son. I'm a son of God. And you know, you are his son this morning. You are his daughter. This is what God has made you. But the Apostle Paul, he had such a strong revelation of this that he prayed for the church. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I might add at this point that every day, Lynn and myself pray for everybody that is connected with us, everybody that we are responsible for, and we are praying these prayers over your life. We do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention in you and your prayers that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I pray that. We prayed that in the opening prayer this morning 
And I pray that because when the eyes of your understanding become enlightened, as it says in verse 15, you go, wow, I can now see the potential of the kingdom of God and I can now see my own potential as a son of a daughter of God. Now, this is so powerful because we have believers. We have disciples, but God has called you to sonship. Just say this after me this morning. God has called me to sonship. He's called me to the next level. He's called me to sit with him in the heavenly places. With Christ Jesus. Far above the principalities and powers. This is where God has called me to live. How amazing is that? And this is where we need that realisation. Like I said, Jesus prayed this because it almost seems too true. It almost seems, how could this be? Well, why did he pray this? If you can get this, city builders and everyone that is listening, every genuine believer this morning, if you can get this, it'll turn your life upside down and you, then you, will most likely be able to turn your world upside down. One of the biggest problems is we don't really know what God has made us. We believe God's there. We are a believer. But God wants to bring us to the next level. And this is what happens in the book of Acts. 120 disciples in that upper room became absolutely filled with the spirit of truth, filled with the spirit of Christ, touched with the spirit of adoption, and they're adopted as God's own sons. Disciples in that room became apostles, and God built the church on the foundations of their realization and their revelation. This is so incredibly powerful. Do you know what? Uh, the devil has done well in hiding God's best-kept secret from the world. But do you know what is going to happen in this hour? Something so great is going to happen, and I'm going to talk about it this morning. Because you see, right back there 2,000 years ago, something happened. The nation of Israel was backslidden, yet God had called that nation, had a plan for that nation, so he began to reveal his very own son. And the Bible says that for this purpose was the Son of God made manifest, or for this purpose was the Son of God revealed that he might destroy the work of the evil one. That is 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Jesus is the ultimate intervention of God in the earth in history. Yet he said, greater things are going to happen. Greater things will be done by the church. So his appearance was a supernatural intervention. It was a divine invasion on the earth. It is known as the incarnation, which describes the great miracle of how the Godhead came down and dwelt in the body of Jesus on the earth. And it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, that in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know, Jesus was no ordinary man, but he was a supernatural intervention on the earth. He was heaven invading into the hearts of mankind. Something so very powerful was happening. Now, let me talk about this. I think this is amazing. 
This was a reset of the global calendar because the year today is 2020, which basically divides history into before Christ and after Christ. And in every culture on the earth, although they have their own calendars in some places, they all recognise that the year is 2020. 2020 speaks of perfect vision. And I believe it is a prophetic sign in this generation that God is going to begin to make things so very clear of who he really is, of who his son really is. Jesus is the ultimate. He is the model. He is the son. And according to the words of his own mouth, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He is the saviour. And the word says that there is no other name by which men can be saved except by the name of Jesus Christ. He is the Saviour and he is God. He is to those who will choose him the sweet aroma of salvation. And to those that who won't receive him, he is an inconvenient truth. The cross makes no sense to them and to many it is an offence. Let me tell you this, he can't be silenced and he won't disappear. It does not matter what the global governments and what the governments of the earth and the rulers and the kings say, he will not be silenced, he will not go away. There will always be a witness onto the earth that declares that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Because creation continues to testify. History continues to record. The Acts of the Apostles is set in concrete, but also the Acts of the true disciples that have been there since are recorded in history. And those that truly follow him, they are his witnesses. In fact, it says in the book of Romans that the Spirit bears witness that we are children, that we are sons and daughters of God. So the most incredible global reset was when Jesus came into the earth 2,000 years ago. And today we call it 220. The most incredible global reset is about ready to happen. Because 2,000 years ago, the firstborn son, the only begotten son of the father, came into the earth. But in this generation, post-2020, from 2020, 2021 and on, we are going to see something so exciting begin to happen in the city, in our midst, in the region and in the nations. And this is not the appearance of the Son of God, but the revealing, the manifestation of the sons of God. Do you like that? I'll find it in the Bible for you in just a minute so that you know that I'm not preaching anything strange to you. So the most incredible global reset is happening, but it is not what everybody thinks. It is the rising of the sons of God. It is those believers that have allowed themselves to go through the, you know, the fiery trials, through the tests, through the process, and they haven't given up. They've hung on to God, and they've seen everything that has happened to them as part of a divine preparation program that is preparing them for now. Now is the time that God is going to do something so powerful on the earth. 
It is the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. The next event will be the rising of this Romans 8 company. And you know, over the last eight months, many people who are prophetically inclined around the globe, including my own spiritual father, have called this the beginning of a new era. The incredible of a beginning new era in God. This is where we are now. So according to the scripture in Romans, we will go there now, Romans chapter uh, 8, which is a powerful, powerful scripture. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. We'll go back a little bit uh, to verse 12. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Now let me tell you about this. Verse 13 is very important. It says, For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if you live according to the Spirit, you'll put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now let me tell you, I believe that there are many, many believers. I mentioned last week that, you know, if you go to America according to the research... You know, there's, there's a huge percentage of the population, you know, around 80% that say, we believe. But most of them are nominal believers. But then in amongst that, there is the true wholehearted followers who are really the frontline leaders who have said, I'm going to follow Jesus with radical abandon. And these are the ones that God is calling us forth. These are the ones that are led by the Spirit. And here the Scripture explains very clearly that there is two ways to live. You live as an ordinary believer, but you can be led by this flesh and live in the flesh. But for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So this is a vital choice that we can make from today on when we can determine in our heart, God... I don't want to just be a child anymore. I want to really grow up in you. I want you to begin to lead me into the powerful destiny that you have for me. This is the qualification to join this Romans 8 company of believers. They are the sons and daughters of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In uh, Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. This speaks of relationship. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children with God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And it goes on and it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's really incredible because God's called us to live in the Spirit. But you know, for those that have settled to be ordinary believers, when the pain begins to come, they often misinterpret it and run from God and run to their area of comfort. And God does not want us to do that because he has a master plan to transform the nations. 
And that master plan is me. That master plan is you. But just not an ordinary you. It is a processed you that has decided, I'm going to grow up in the things of God. I'm going to become his very own son, his very own daughter. Now, this is what it says. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not because of him who subjected it in hope, but because the creation itself is delivered, will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now this is what it says here. For we know that the whole of creation groans and labours with birth pangs, even until now. Do you know what? There is a labouring going on in the earth. There is a groaning going on. And what it is, it is the birth pangs. You know, we see the climate change, we see the pandemics, we see the global, uh, you know, uh, political lobbying. We see all these things going on and we see the unrest amongst people. And this is the whole earth beginning to cry out from the inside because whether they know it or not, they are saying, God, this can't be. We are longing for something. And do you know what? The whole earth is waiting for the revealing of a generation, a Romans 8 company. You know, when Jesus came into the earth, he divided light and darkness. And when this generation began to rise on the earth in this church and in this region, in this state and across the nations, it'll be like light begins to come into the darkness once again. Amen. God has called us to the next level, not to be just religious people, not just to be good behaved people, but to be his very own sons and daughters. I wanted to say it again this morning. The whole of the earth is groaning, it's laboring, and it is waiting for the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God. And this has got what God is making you and he is making me. So there you go. So the first invasion, the first reset was, uh, you know, when Jesus came into the earth. But this is a real global reset. There's so many things going on and we need to have our eyes on what God is doing. So we have a choice to make. And if we're going to choose, I want to say this to everyone who's listening, don't settle for being an ordinary believer. Don't be happy with a couple of years learning stuff in a discipleship program or a Bible college. Don't be content with playing the church game. Pursue the next level. Allow the spirit of adoption to work deep onto the inside of you to bring you to sonship. You know, this is the highest order in the kingdom of God. You know, the highest order is not to be called an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, evangelist, uh, or a, uh, you know... Anything else, any other title, it is to be a son. The whole of the earth is not waiting for the revealing of prophets and apostles. It's not waiting for the revealing of the next superstar worship leader or charismatic leader. It is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. These are a different breed and they are a new breed without greed. After my uh, 40 years plus of serving God, I can say that the pathway 
to sonship is the most powerful transformational pathway that a believer can enter in. And over this next couple of weeks, we'll talk some more about that. So at this age, I believe that, uh, you know, many who are associated with me would call me their spiritual father, but I'll tell you what I am first. I am a son. And Jesus, even though he came into the earth, he was the Lord of glory, yet he gloried in his sonship and in his servanthood. And this is the key to the next level. Sonship is the master key to the nations. And when the sons and daughters, those that are true sons and daughters, begin to rise, I tell you something is going to happen that has never happened since Jesus. You know, the master key to the nations is the rising of sons and daughters. And it takes accurate connection in the kingdom of God to come to that place of stature. And we will talk to more. God wants, you know, uh, you know Jesus, when he left the earth, he left uh, tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of believers. But during this season, God is bringing many sons and daughters to glory. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. Now, let's talk about this. The church that has truly embraced apostolic and prophetic foundations will be the birthplace and the training ground, the womb for these sons and daughters to rise. I want to give you a few points about this this morning that are very powerful. Now, firstly, sonship is the fruit of the excellent spirit that some believers carry. Uh, Daniel chapter 5, 13 talks about how Daniel and his friends were taken captive. But during a time of great persecution in the nation, all eyes came on Daniel. And it says in Daniel chapter 5, verse 13, I have heard that the Spirit, this is the leader of the nation speaking, and he says, I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and wisdom are found in you. You know, it is amazing when the culture becomes darker and people become more and more lost, they begin to look for the light. And they will see it in those that have been prepared. They will see it in those that have given themselves to a process. They will see it in those who have become more than just ordinary believers, but they have given themselves to become a son or daughter. Number two, sonship is the finished work of the spirit of adoption. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Let's have a look at this. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say to that that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from the slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardianship and stewards until the times appointed by the father. Even so, we were children 
were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So we are, from the minute we receive Christ, we are literally a child of God. We are his sons and daughters, but we are still a child. But the spirit of adoption does not want us to live in the limitations of immaturity and childhood. And under the bondage of our past, he wants to set us free into the glorious liberty of being a son of God. We can be a child but still live out of a slave mentality. And Christians do. You know, I really believe one of the things that limits the impact of Christians and churches is, is not understanding that God wants to call us to grow up. So you can be a child but still live out of a slave mentality. You can't go to the next level until you are prepared to let go of the old patterns, old ways of thinking, you can't let go, you can't go to the next level until you let go of your past and habits and, and patterns that bind you. This is keeping it, you in the realm of slavery and immaturity. And you know, one of the things that has really helped is when I found a father who could take me further because that establishes the pattern of sonship in you. Number three, sonship is the fruit of transformational encounters. The degree to which you encounter him is the degree to which you are empowered in the future. You know, you can really have an encounter with God that is very transformational. You know, Paul met uh, Jesus, the risen Christ, on the road to Damascus. You know, in the book of Acts, everything turned around. A man who's persecuting the church is called up into the heavens and his life becomes changed. Sonship is the fruit of transformational encounters. And you know, these are not only just recorded in the Bible, but God wants to draw each one of us into a transformational encounter. God wants to make himself real to you. So if that has never happened to you, you can begin to take steps of faith. You can begin to take steps of faith into the realm of the Spirit and you can begin to say yes to Him and begin to pray for a transformational encounter. Do you know what I've found? This has happened to me and God has done things for me that have just about been, wow, impossible and God's turned it around. So sonship is the fruit of transformational encounters. In in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 18, it says that, uh, But we with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. It's telling the story about how Moses went to the mountain and had a powerful transformational encounter with Jesus. You know, there's a lot of things that fashion and form our lives and our faith the way that we are. But sometimes there are dynamic, life-changing encounters that need to happen that bring us to the next level. Number four, 
sonship is developed and demonstrated by the way that we respond to those who are called to lead us. Number four, sonship is developed and demonstrated by the way we respond to those who are called to lead us. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, uh, Jesus lays out, or the Apostle Paul lays out the pattern of how we should follow. Firstly, it says, Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a challenge to the church and to ordinary believers to change the way that they think. So, so that is the first thing. Jesus is our model for sonship. And he emptied himself and he became a bond servant. Now you imagine this, the Lord of glory, God's son, left his divinity in heaven and became a man and walked the earth. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. You know, one of the great ways to enter into the next dimension of sonship is to begin to serve fathers and to serve God-appointed leaders over your life. It is a pattern that is so strong in the Scripture. And here, uh, Paul said about Jesus that he humbled himself and he became obedient. You know, sometimes people can't humble themselves. They can't become obedient, so they are bound into a life of slavery. But God wants to set us free from slavery where we are conformed to the patterns of this world and, and we, we really begin to conform to a new pattern, which is the pattern of heaven. He emptied himself. He took on the form of a bondservant. He became obedient to the point of death. Therefore, the scripture says, God has exalted him and given him the name. Do you know what? I tell you what, God will exalt in time and promote his own sons. But slaves will never be promoted. You know, children will never be promoted. But God will give leadership, government and rulership to his sons. Number five this morning. Sonship is manifested as Christ is formed in me. If you continually follow Jesus, if you continually allow him to have his way. Now, this is not always easy, is it? Because, you know, we are humans, we are flesh and we're bone. And we have a tendency to want our own way. And, you know, this is where uh, sons actually become a counterculture, what you see on the earth, because they no longer are given to their own way, but they have learned to yield. And Jesus was a yielded vessel. He emptied himself of his own self so the Spirit of God, so the fullness of God could come and dwell in him bodily. This is the pathway to sonship. And in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said this about himself. He said, it's no longer I that live, but it is Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. Do you know what? Paul was known as a father to the church, but he clearly positioned himself as a son. Number six, sonship is to be pursued more than ministry. You know, sometimes, and you know, I've been around church for a long, long time, 
and you know, in my earlier days, everyone had their heart set on ministry. And many people still do. But do you know what? This is not about ministry. God does not, he is not really interested on whether you or I become a great, famous minister. That is a worldly thing. Success and obedience are two different things. They are diametrically opposed. Let's have a look at this in, uh, in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 16. And it talks about, uh, or 15, 16, it talks about two different types of ministers. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, sincerely supposing to add affliction to my change, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Do you know what? When anybody ministers, when anybody preaches, they do it for different motives. Now, it's not me that judge the motives, it's God. But here it talks about how we can live out of ambition, wanting to succeed. But God wants us to be obedient. And then we go on to uh, verse 19, chapter 2, verse 19. And it talks about the incredible relationship between a spiritual father, the Apostle Paul, and his spiritual son, Timothy. Verse 19, But I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your state, for I have no other one like-minded who would sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see him, see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord, and I myself shall also come shortly. Paul had a, a churches and Christians to look after, but he had a son. He had a Timothy. And Timothy was like-minded. He was submitted and he was honourable. He carried the heart of his father. Do you know what? If we don't allow that sonship to be developed on the inside of us, all we can do is draw people to ourselves. But when we truly allow the spirit of sonship and sonship to be formed in our life, the spirit of Christ is to be beginning to become manifest on the inside of us. So, uh, you know, these are the incredible, powerful and fruitful partnerships that we are beginning to experience in our own ministry in this church here. Number seven, last point this morning. Um, when true sons begin to rise everything can begin to change. Now remember this, in Romans chapter 8, it says the whole of the earth is groaning, laboring, and waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. They are not ordinary believers, and they are not just disciples, but they are true sons and daughters of God. They have the mind of Christ, they have the spirit of Christ, and they imitate imitate Christ. They have a different spirit and they are backed by him because they have learned to completely follow him. They will not fail and they are unstoppable. They are incorruptible 
These are the sons and daughters of God. Jesus was the ultimate appearance of, the son, of God on the earth. And he reset the global calendar. But in this time ahead, this generation of sons and, uh, sons and daughters of God that are going to begin to rise in our environment across the earth will indeed reset the calendar. They will be like a light into darkness. They are backed by God because they have learned to completely follow him. They have been completely faithful to him in dark and difficult times. They have resisted the urge to backslide and to run and not allow God to deal with them. God during this season is looking for those ones. The verse there is 2 Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 and it says that the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely given to him. These are the sons and daughters of God. I will tell you what the call of God over your life is. It is not to be an ordinary believer. It is not to remain a slave with a slave mentality who just wants to serve your own thing or is locked in and imprisoned in some area. God wants you to become his very own son, his very own daughter. And churches like this are the hotbed. They are the seedbed for these believers to grow that carry a different spirit, the spirit of excellence. Do you want to just bow your heads with me uh, and pray this morning? Father, I just really thank you for today. And I thank you, Lord God, for the spirit that you have released this morning over our own lives. I thank you, Lord God, for the word that is coming to us that continually is calling us higher. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this hour that we are in in the nations. And even though deep darkness is covering the earth, the challenge to the sons and daughters of God and to the church of the living God is to arise and shine and to let the glory of the living God come. Father, I just thank you for those that have different barriers to sonship and daughtership in their life, barriers to the next level. Lord God, I pray this morning that unproductive doctrines would be cut off, old ways would be cut off, old mindsets, slave mentalities would be cut away. Lord God, I pray, Father, where there's been fear in the heart, Lord God, I pray the power of fear would be broken. And the word says to you that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a power of love and of sound mind and of power in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. This morning, I just want to thank God for those that have been listening into these messages over the last weeks and months. And maybe you're just thinking this morning, I would really love a relationship with, that is that real with God. I want you to know that that is possible. But do you know what you need to do? You need to start somewhere. You know, it's like, you know, a little child. When a little child is born into your, into your family, that little child does not run straight away. It can't lift weights straight away. It's just little, and it, you know, and, and it hardly even knows it's alive. But, you know, that baby learns to crawl, learns to walk learns to run and, and eventually grows to function as an adult. 
God wants to bring you into this life where you become his very own son and his very own daughter. But do you know what you need to do first this morning? And maybe you've never really done this before. God wants you to open the door of your life and let his spirit come in. And I tell you and I promise you that when you sincerely open the doors of your life and invite Jesus to live in, he will give you the power to become his very own child. And the first step this morning is just praying and just opening that door and sincerely inviting him in to live on the inside of you. So if you'd like to do that this morning, that it would be my greatest honor to leave you, lead you through this prayer. Just pray after me, would you? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner and today I ask for your forgiveness. I believe in Jesus Christ and that he is your very own son. I believe that he died for my sin and that he has risen from the dead and he is alive. I want to trust him as my saviour and follow him all the days of my life. I want to make him Lord of my life from this day forward. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Holy Spirit, fill me. Spirit of adoption, come in and guide me. Help me to do your will. Make me your child. I turn my heart to you. And I'm determined to follow you all the days of my life. I pray this in the incredible name of Jesus, who is my Lord. Amen. Amen. Once again, I really want to thank you for joining us this morning. And I really believe that these are real answers to help people just really fulfill the call of God on their life. And, you know, if you were here and listening this morning, this is no accident because God has a plan for you. You know, uh, if you live in our community or in this region, you're more than welcome to join us here every Sunday at 10 a.m. Uh, here in the stables in Sale. Or, uh, or you can catch us online for these services. If you live uh, out of the area, I'd really encourage you to make contact with us through the website. And we will put you in contact with a church just like this somewhere in your locality. So I want to say to you, God bless you. Have a wonderful day and uh, enjoy an incredible week. God bless.